just to try to earn a dollar Every time I call my baby and ask get a date My boss says, don't die son, you gotta work late Sometimes I wonder what I'm gonna do But there ain't no cure for the summertime strange trip it's been here on the Owls Americast, Sheffield Wednesday Opinion with an American accent. We have come to the end of our first season, much as Sheffield Wednesday has come to the end of their season. It's their 150th, our first. Got some catching up to do. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro. I have a little bit of uh, aromatized wine, sweet vermouth, uh, Cochi de Torino. It's quite nice. Mmm. It's, uh, I usually keep it for mixing, but I was refilling my glass of water before we started, and I needed a, a little nip of something, and that was in the fridge, because you should always keep your vermouth in the fridge. And I'm uh, pretty content with it, much as I am with at least the last Wednesday game of the season, which we'll get into a, in a minute. But first, I need to introduce my two co-hosts for this week, as everyone else is just playing out the string and avoiding the podcast entirely. But we will start in Ohio. With our Ohio Owl, who is not at the Columbus Crew game, Evan Skilleter. Evan, what are you drinking? Uh, first of all, happy birthday, Jeff. I was going to bring that up, but fine. I-, I figured you wouldn't. You're a very modest fella, but we definitely want to wish you a happy birthday. Um, I forgot to grab a drink before this thing started. A uh, long day at work. Worked uh, a 12-hour day, so I mm. uh, just kind of got home and get straight to the computer. So I uh, probably text. Day text You're... rachel here in a minute to, to <laughs> grab me something just don't put it in the whatsapp group by accident this time <laughs> okay <laughs> also with us is patty jones patty what are you drinking hi jeff happy birthday how are you doing i'm fine how are you how are you sober um so funny story like this is this is my birthday <laughs> we have there's not much to talk about let's be honest so <laughs> We'll uh, we'll tap dance a little bit here at the open. Um, I took the day off from work so I could see a double A baseball game this morning. It was a ten thirty getaway day game. I couldn't even get coffee because the line for like the Dunkin' Donuts because it's Dunkin' Dunkin' Donuts Park, so the Dunkin' Donuts in the park, which is usually nice, especially when I'm coming from work and you know will pick me up as part of my fifteen hour day. Anyway, to make a long story short. Got out of the game, started driving home. Figured I'd get a little uh, little birthday drink, treat myself to something nice. Went to one of my uh, locals and got a little dram of a midwinter's dram bourbon. I think it's a bourbon. I don't even know what it is. I know it's the High West Sister Distillery. And the bartender sold me on it. It's like a special occasion bourbon. And it was actually very comparable to uh, Pappy Van Winkle 15-year. It was quite good. No. I'm I'm not joking, Evan. I've had both. You can, By the way, you can't find this, so don't even bother trying. Uh, <laughs> oh, I know where to find it now. Um, apparently, was the stadium, it's an extremely which, which, limited release. So This was not at the baseball at? stadium. It was at uh, the Hartford Yard Goats against the Binghamton Rumble Ponies. 
Legit. I forgot Close about the Bing Hampton. Go. No, please, please say that again. See Hartford Yard Goats against the Binghamton Rumble Ponies. <laughs> Sound like two indie bands rather than baseball teams. Yeah. Where did they get the name from Rumble Ponies? So Rumble Ponies is a reference to the... Uh, I think Binghamton has a very old carousel. That's a reference to that. Or it's like a, a town where lots of carousel parts were manufactured. And the... And the colloquialism the y- is rumble ponies rather than ca- carousel. Yeah, hey, yeah. look over there, those rumble ponies. And the yard goats is a reference actually to uh, the old sort of Hartford New Haven train line that used to run. And a yard goat is a train that tows other trains around the train station, but does not leave the station. Interesting. I just yeah, assumed it was a goat that was in a yard. Nope. I mean, the mascot is the mascots. <laughs> there's two of them are nine-foot-tall, smiling goats with giant teeth, one in a particular fluorescent hue of green, the other is bright blue. They're called Chompers and Choo Choo. Wait, these are not real goats, right? No, they're mascots. <laughs> yeah, nine-foot real goats. Nine-foot-tall, bipedal, nine foot tall green real goats. goats in a moo-moo, yes. Patty. I think we have to go see the rumble ponies. What else do you guys want to talk about? Because this is great. <laughs> Are you going to tell us what you're drinking, Patty? You never did that. I did catch that. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, so let's just get right into it. And we'll start with the uh, Norch City game. A comfortable 5-1 win for Wednesday. And Patty, I think you'll agree. A lovely morning, early morning out at the football factory. It was fantastic. I love the end of the uh, season at the Football Factory. It uh, brings us all together. It's even more enjoyable when you've got nothing to play for and you can just leave your nerves at the door. Just have a few drinks with friends who are way more nervous than you. It was great. Even Bigger one Dave showed up again? Yeah, big Dave Norwich fan. He was, on, <laughs> he was <laughs> pretending to be on the phone, which I thought he was. Yeah, I think that, yeah. Uh, and then we asked him halfway through the second half why he's still on the phone avoiding talking to us and he was listening to the commentary on uh, radio norwich so it was uh, <laughs> just a way to avoid talking about this about the game and the beating he was getting you know that do you, that's what you ought to do is when you're at the football factory have one person's i follow account play you know the the footage and then have the second person's i follow account play the uh the commentary Why I, don't thought, you do that? I thought we tried this earlier in the season patty and it didn't work particularly well I mean, we tried it with the same account. Right. I think if we used two accounts, then uh, I don't It'll know. It'll work. We are getting we four cameras next year. That might help. That's a rumor. That's a rumor. That's, that's, that's slip by exclusive in there. It's a rumor from a uh, source of ours that we're getting four cameras on the iFollow feed next year. So keep that under your hats. Um, and apparently more improvements are on the way too. So basically all the things that we were asking for, um, the uh, extra cameras, replays, um, the, still the commentary is not really being um, I was um, very impressed that QPR at least appears to have like a little score bug and a clock yeah we should, be, we should get that next year too I think that's easy to do so getting the scoreboard and the clock, like, which like is, a simple graphic yeah <laughs> which is, I actually quite enjoy having no scoreboard or clock because when someone walks in late yeah. you can actually tell them look you're already 2-0 down or we're already 3-0 up or whatever it is and just see their their face go from optimism just yeah. dashed we did this to bigger dave who like showed up and was just sort of like hanging out like you're down 1-0 by the way 
<laughs> oh, and then he looked over at the Ipswich score because at least finishing with Ipswich, it's fine. Yeah. Looked at the Ipswich score and there was also, also no scoreboard on that uh, iFollow either. Oh, and by the way, Ipswich are winning Middlesbrough. <laughs> Double blow. Welcome to Football Factory. Uh, the actual game we should talk about because a few things did happen. And we'll start with the uh, back line. We got a Glenn Leuven swan song and an Ash Baker debut, Evan. Yeah, I uh, I really liked what, what he did with Leuven's. Um, <laughs> Were you actually, yeah, do you actually get awake for the uh, Leuven sending off? Yeah, just <laughs> in send time. off just oh. in time. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was great. Uh, I slept until I think it was about. See, the match started at what seven thirty, seven forty-five. I woke up at eight and looked at the clock and didn't <laughs> didn't think anything of it, and then looked at WhatsApp where someone said, who has social today? And I just said, oh, fuck. Um, so I t- turned it on. A great way to wake up. I think it was... And two at that t- point. Two yeah. nil. Yeah, yeah, feeling good. And you know, saw Leuven's in there. Figured he'd be in there till close to the end. I thought he'd come out maybe in the 88th or 89th minute. But I'm um, happy to see him come off earlier because it shores up the, the defense for the second <laughs> half. Um, but yeah, a great ode. That's a, that's a bit harsh. <laughs> well, you know, um, yeah, ha- happy to see his exit and uh, his exit the way it was. That that sounded I mean, bad as well. Yeah, yeah. No, no, been killing him all year. So <laughs> right, uh, I, I'm I'm very pleased with with Glenn Leuven's. I I always have fond me- I'll I'll always have fond memories of him, and I think it was done the right way. Um, and as far as Ash Baker goes, you know, I was actually impressed with Ash Baker. Not only was it his debut, we're trying to get some young guys in there. Uh, he he played pretty well. Fullback uh, that can actually defend, which is a, a rare treat in Wednesday land nowadays. Yeah, truly. Um, you know, I couldn't I couldn't be more happy with the debut of the young guy. Yeah, one for the future. That, um, that tackle he did uh, on the advancing Norwich forward on the right hand side in the box. Uh, they had about a yard to gain on him too, didn't he? And he just, I, I actually said at the time, stay on your feet. <laughs> and he he slid in and did one of the best tackles of the season. <laughs> he, I was like, like, okay, pops, he just pops up with the ball. And it's like, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that is I'll do as that. clinical as it gets. Yeah. And Wednesday, uh, I mean, Norwich really didn't look like they wanted any part of this game. And Wednesday pretty much just battered them from start to finish batting. Yeah, I think it all went down from for Norwich. I mean, if you ever go up in the first place, he, uh, it went down even faster when Madison came off, who was obviously their best player. And he's obviously in, in, in team of the year as well this week that got announced from the EFL. Um, that was in the 14th minute, so it was a bit of a struggle. Um, they didn't really want this game by the looks of it. They were very much lethargic. There were lots of shots from 18, 20 yards, which went miles wide and miles over. When they did get a shot inside the box, again, that was why. Um, I think Dawson didn't have a lot to do the entire game. It just it was just obvious from the start that we were more up for it than uh, that they were. And I mean, Fessy embodied that more than anybody. He was um, everywhere as usual. He just seemed like he's got points proven. It's a shame that the season's ending because he's really ending on a high. And he just you can say that like without him this season, that that pace in the side is just completely gone. And you can see the difference both him and Bannon uh, backing the team makes the squad. I mean, we'll get so, to um, the. We'll get to the new Hugh hat trick, but I do want to especially uh, single out Fessy's goal just because, yeah, like, look, it wasn't the best set of defending in the world, but 
But as soon as the initial flick back from the Norwich, I guess it would have probably been one of the wingers or the fullbacks came, Fessy was immediately started running to the spot where he knew the subsequent back pass was going to go. <laughs> like, immediately. You could just see him veer off, sniffed it out, you know, snuck in, slid it past the keeper, 2-0. And it's just like, yeah, I mean, that's what he brings to the team. Right, there's something to be said about that because, you know, people, you know, we keep mentioning how bad the pass was, and, and it was a bad pass. But just like you said, I mean, it, it takes a lot of, of skill and athleticism to make that jump and get to the ball. I mean, he closed on that so quickly. Um, still still not a good decision to pass it back, but I, I don't think it was as bad of a decision as, as people make it out to be because I think Fessy just made an incredible play. Speaking of incredible plays, that new hero first goal was a great move. Um, a little bit of work up on the park, and then a great cross uh, from Reach on the left. You know, Joe and, did a great job there, too. As oh, I think Joe, I th- yeah. Carried it so long. As I said, I think in the Football Factory at the time, he's the best striker I've ever seen who always looks like he's on the verge of falling over, which was true for most <laughs> of that run. <laughs> but he just he just kept going. You know, fed Fessy, who flicked it out to Reach, and then, you know, New Hugh has done what I think he's done so effectively, really the second half of the season, he just sort of finds the space and then just beats his guy to the ball. He's become such a good poker, a poacher. Of, I mean, that wasn't, oh, really a, poacher. A, wasn't really a poach goal per se, but it was sort of like a, you know, very sort of number 90 kind of instinctual strikers goal where you just, you know, find a little bit of space and beat your guy to the ball, which is essentially what he did. It was a blinding header. It was, I mean, this is what we wanted from a six foot six striker, isn't it? You want him to be tall at the back post and you want him to just bury it. And he did that. And that's what you get with a bit of confidence, a bit of a run in the team. And uh, it was so beautiful by reach. And I I want to actually focus back on the Joao thing because he carried that ball from the halfway line, fought off two or three people. It looked like it was going to fall over most of the time, like you say, but he still got the ball out. Um, And it was just great. And actually, Joao did that the entire game. I actually quite quite felt bad at the end. You could tell he wanted a goal, and at one point, we'll get to it later on, obviously, but Nui who gave the penalty to Joao to take, and eventually Joao was like, no, you should take it. I forgot you were on a trick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, you, just, you can tell that, that friendship between Nui and Joao is working as well, and they're starting to find each other's um, uh, patterns on the pitch as well as off, off the pitch. But Joao worked his ass off the entire game. He was fantastic, I thought, this game. Uh, it was quite often found in our own half, winning the ball, along with Atty as well. Uh, but then also he was back on the other side of the pitch too, which has been lacking sometimes. I think some of, sometimes our um, strikers this season have been so much work in our own half that they're not actually doing much work in the other half. But actually both New York and Joao worked their asses off on Saturday. It was fantastic. Somebody, sorry. And I think having, uh, having both Bannon and Fessy back in the squad makes a huge difference because it does take some of the pressure off Joao and New Hugh to track back and to... You know, New Hugh especially to come back and hold up. And, you know, we have options through the middle and attack now that can allow, you know, New Hugh and, and Zhao to get down the field. Yeah, and Bannon, again, was fantastic. Just spraying yeah, the ball around. It's just, the pass he made to... Uh, Reach, wasn't it? Well, the the one to Ash Baker when Baker fluffed the uh, cross that uh, oh, right. Bully pulled it up, put uh, pointed out on Twitter too. Uh, but it's like you can just imagine like a, a guy coming from the under twenty three. It's like I don't get cross field balls like that. I'm like, where do you get cross field <laughs> balls like that? He trapped it actually pretty nice and then didn't know what to do with it. 
Yeah, is I mean, it, I mean, this last nine, like last, last nine games, I suppose last ten games. This is the team uh, we thought we were gonna have all year. Yeah, and um, it's 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 actually ended on a high note, which I mean, we wouldn't have thought this would be possible <laughs> at Christmas time. Um, and I feel like we are more optimistic, and yes, we need more updates to the side, but if we keep hold of our assets, we're still gonna be up there or thereabouts, I think. And one of those uh, assets that really seems like he wants to stay based on his goal celebration, Evan, is uh, Venancio. Oh my gosh, I, I was so happy when I saw that. Um, it was a great goal. It was, to yeah. To be honest, you know. Another the, really uh, good cross from Reach. Yeah, fantastic service into the box, and uh, it's exactly what we need. Uh, we need some, some guys in there, some poachers, you know, mm-hmm. some guys that... That can get their foot on the ball. It doesn't take much, and you know, for the middle part of the season, we just didn't have it. And it was a nice goal. bit. Of, it was a nice bit of skill, and so not really a classic center back, you know, towering header. Yeah, absolutely. It was. You know, it, it takes some, some some skill to get it, get the touch just right, and uh, he did it. But then, you know, grab grabbing the crest the way he did, and and sprinting over and and not just standing in front of the supporters so they could hug him, but actually hugging back. I mean, he was, he was just so ecstatic at the moment. He was so happy. Um, I, I truly, truly wish we can get him back next year because that's just, uh, he's just a fantastic guy. He seems to really, really love the club and, um, it'd be a shame to see him go. I think he's getting better too. Um, I think there were some questions when he first started and, uh, I think he took a while to adapt to the game. It's weird. Isn't it? Some players get a bit of a, a berth when they first come into the side and they get, oh, he's just betting in. But some players, I don't know, they have a bit of suspicion around him, whether it's because the Carvajal didn't play him at all. So it was a question about his, his actual talent. So he didn't have much of a, a berth when he first came into the side because a few mistakes he made, it was kind of like, oh, he's, he's okay. But I actually think the last like, nine games, again, he's been pretty good. And I can't recall many mistakes he's made. And actually, he's been quite a threat up top as well, which is something we don't often get from our defenders. So I, I, I would pay up to maybe two or three million for him. I think that's probably the going rate for him. I'd probably pay for that at the moment. He also seems like he's just more like you've seen it, I think, with Pudil and, and, and Lees to a certain extent, too. It, they just seem more comfortable with the three center back formation as opposed to having to play. I mean, a lot of that time, too, with Lees out, Venancio was playing with the. You know, a, a Luvins that really can't do the job anymore. So I think that probably affected how we viewed him as well, because the entire defense was a little bit shambolic during that period. Yeah, true. And I think he was during a tumultuous time as well. So um, I think now, maybe with Yoss's arm around him and a little bit more organization at the back, that's when we're starting to see it. And like I said, like I said to um, early in the season on these pod- this podcast, this guy was a, a captain in Portugal's uh, first division. He's not like a, a rookie. Yeah, he might have took a time in the English league, but actually, I think he's a decent player. If you want a real poacher's goal, Patty, you don't have to look any further than New Hughes second. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit of a shambles, wasn't it? It was great. I mean, and, and how often does that happen? Usually, just and Gunn's a very good goalkeeper there. too. To be clear, I know he didn't exactly have his best game. No, you here, can say but that. he's um, a very, very well-regarded championship-level goalkeeper. But yeah, just a little bit of a, a little bit of miscommunication, and the ball falls to, falls to New Hugh and four uh, 0 There you go. 
Yeah, it didn't just fall on you too. It bounced off Fessy too as well, didn't it, on the way into it. So it just everything kind of fell together and you were just, oh, okay, great, I'll uh, wipe it in. You kind of feel, so, yeah. the, I think you kind of feel the hat trick coming at that point too. You could just kind of... <laughs> I mean, that, that killed the game one. It was two minutes those two girls went in. Um, and after that, we were, we were coasting. I mean, um, poor Norwich um, didn't know where hit him really. We did manage um, to concede an absolutely just terrible let-off goal before the end though. One last yeah, uh, the first shot on target they had too. Yeah. It certainly felt like that. You can, I think you can couldn't... even see like Bannon look at. I forget who actually scored it. Like Bannon look at the runner that he's sort of marking and be like, "Eh, it's it's four now, whatever." We'll give him, we'll give him one. We'll give him one. But then they didn't really um, stop our flow, did it? I mean, no. as soon as that went in, um, as soon as that goal went in, Fessy knew you at the end had other chances to score again. So I think. Forest area and Joao broke through from, I think, a Bannon ball. He stopped a, a, a through pass. And it, like they were fighting over the ball at one point. And then I think uh, the Norwich fan got a little touch on Fessy before he had a shot. But again, it was a good save by Gunn. And that was almost like five minutes afterwards. And then, again, uh, New has another chance with a, I think it was a header. Yeah, and Fessy well had, a, had a free kick that was a good height, but still a good save from Gunn. Yeah. So it could have been a lot more. And yeah. um, they didn't really, uh, they didn't really spur him on that, that goal they had. No, and then at the death, a uh, a penalty that someone that wrote this agenda thinks was soft. I disagree. It was soft. Forest yeah. Thierry riding to him. Yeah, that's uh, you know, the yeah, ball was, was by him. He was playing the ball. It was a penalty. It's soft, a slow soft, to me. soft is fair, I suppose. Um, it definitely wasn't hard, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was a penalty. A penalty. It, it is what it is. And, uh, uh, I, do, I do appreciate that Eddie tried to give the ball both to Matthias and Jao, and they're just like, just take it. <laughs> yeah, Addy, just, just go. Just, just take okay. it. And uh, Gunn didn't exactly... I don't know what Gunn expected there. I mean, he expected him to like, blast it up the middle, but he just slid it ha- in with his right foot you think for the perfect hat trick. Do you think there's any scouting data available for, for Addy and, and penalty kicks? He's taken a fair amount of pens. Has he? For us over the years, yeah. He, I mean, he has was. He, has he missed any? He missed the one against QPR. Okay, but he, he has scored a ball last year. Quite a few, actually, it's the only one he's missed. Yeah, he's been pretty reliable on uh, on penalties over the years. I I don't think he's never really been first choice. You know, I think it's been like Hooper's taken them primarily. You know, Fessy's taken some. I think even Fletcher, but he's. I think Jow has taken one or two as well, but. He's always, I thought, acquitted himself fairly well on. I like he's like his technique's fine. On the, I think every pen he's taken has been pretty clinical. I mean, that one was just you know slid into the bottom corner. Uh, we were imploring uh, the screen and the full of Archie. By this point, we'd had a few beers, obviously. <laughs> a few. Yeah. We, we, just, we, just, we just so wanted that trick from Archie. We talked about capping off the season brilliantly, and we we saw him like almost like literally off for every single player on the pitch. Like you take it, you take it. And we were going, no, Archie, you take it. Go on the hat trick. It just it just made me endear to him even more than I already do because just he's just so like unselfish and such a lovely guy and such a team player that for him to just go around the entire team pretty much offering the ball. And then, I mean, for one point, I thought Drive was going to take it off him. But eventually, he's kind of like, now you take it, you go. Uh, and thank God he scored it. I think <laughs> otherwise, uh, the whole team would have uh, jumped on him. But still, 5-1. What a way to end the season. Asiatric. And uh, Jeff, do you want to uh, throw your stat in here for who was the last person to score <laughs> so a hat-trick this, in a Wednesday uh, This sums up basically 21st century 
Wednesday football in a nutshell. But the uh, yeah, the first Wednesday hat trick since Neil Miller. <laughs> Can you remember who was that against? Was it against? Was it against Preston? Was it his old team? I think it was. I, I can't remember. It was. It must have. Oh God! I just laughed my head off when you told me that. Yeah. Well, did anyone huh? hear? Did anyone hear at these um, like uh, interview? With... Yeah, he was very. Uh, it was an interesting interview because he hasn't really. They haven't put him on. For as successful as he's been in the second half of the season, he hasn't really drawn media duty at any point in time. He hasn't really mastered English. Um, I mean, his English is fine. I mean, he's given plenty of English language interviews over the years, but I, I get why he's not on. Yeah, I mean, it, it's okay. On, it's on tough to understand duty, some sure. things. But yeah, sure. he was very kind of like, it's, it's he has an interesting, I think he wants to stay. I think he probably will stay. But it's been, I think, an interesting relationship with the club and its fans over the years. Well, he's been pillars of post, bless yeah. him. I mean, and he seems to be very, I mean, very well regarded by every you know, manager that's come in and certainly in the locker room, I think as well. There's one thing to be well regarded, but the other thing is to be picked. And yeah. he didn't get picked through Carlos because he had, and, and not only did he only get picked, but kept signing more and more strikers above him. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think he said <laughs> but, this even like years ago, I think there was an, one of the interviews he did. He said they keep, uh, this was like even before, I think even before Carlos, like they keep bringing in, in strikers, but I'm still here, and like none of them are actually better than me. Like that was his like comments. Is like we're talking like fucking Matty Fryett, I think, and uh, like Gary Taylor Fletcher. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, and he's just you know he's improved I think year over year uh, on the team, and obviously puts his puts his work in and is seeing the the rewards. I do think Joss's system certainly fits him better than Carlos's, but he's also getting more opportunities, and it's um, a goal every 132 minutes this year. Which is a very, very good ratio for a striker. Well, my my favorite part of the interview is when you know, they said at the year that you're the first Wednesday player to have a hat trick in the championship in 17 years. Now, how does that make you feel? And he goes, "Oh, well, Atty was the the player to score against Manchester City. And, oh, <laughs> Atty was the one to score. Uh, knew he was the one to score against uh, against Leeds. Save the season. Like, well, you yeah. know, I." I I, I'm it's, a good player. Yeah. Some, so for some reason, Carlos didn't pick me, yeah. and uh, but With but now a new manager came in and and he picks me, and I didn't yeah. stop working hard. It's a little different, but I didn't stop working hard, and I'm scoring goals. Striker, <laughs> striker is a right. confidence game in a lot of ways, and he's clearly yeah. high on confidence right now. That's I mean that hat trick is going to make uh, his uh, salary discussions even harder because yep. we're going to an extra yes. ten grand a week on doing that. Pay the man. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I joked with everyone at the football factor. I was like, build a team around him. I mean, as long as he's on this form, I don't care. I mean, he's, he's above um, Rose right now in the pecking order. I would say he's above Fletcher. There's only really Hooper I would put above him. As long as he's on this form, and and that's that's uh, for me that's quite hard to say because he's never used to be that high pecking order. But if he carries on in this form, and it's not a fluke anymore, we've seen that he's done it for the last fifteen odd games. He's a good player with good attributes that we can actually you can build a team around those yeah, attributes because like he's a strong goals, guy. The goals he's scoring are not like the yeah, the the second goal obviously against Norwich aside. He's not like getting tap ins. He's putting himself about, and he's winning balls. And you know, in the case of uh, Preston scoring like worldies, he's just 
he's scoring a lot of different kind of goals too. And he makes goals. He does. I mean, defenders shit themselves. They just yeah. like three of them around him. He's pretty good at holding the ball up, uh, and he does work hard. So, I mean, for me, he has to stay. He has to get a new contract, and I would uh, put him in the, the top three strikers of the club. There you go. On that, uh, probably Bombshell. if you've been listening to this show, rather unsurprising note. <laughs> we'll take a break and then have an interview when we come back. As I've reiterated for the last few weeks, the podcast is pretty much on the beach. So we will head to the beach and bring back our San Diego Owl, Neil. I've been reliably informed, Neil, that we're supposed to once again ask you for any of our new listeners, how you became a Wednesdayite. Yeah, it was something I uh, I kind of happened through a family connections. My my mom many 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 years ago went to spend a semester at the University of Sheffield. Uh, my parents honeymooned in England. I think it was on that trip, or maybe a trip my my father took with his father to England, where my dad picked up a Sheffield Wednesday T-shirt. This was before I was born, um, and and I grew up just seeing him wear it around the house in the yard doing whatever. And it had, you know, all the handy details on it. It had the, you know, the year the club was formed, the nickname, the stadium name, the date of, you know, the, the largest attendance at Hillsborough stadium and, and all those fine details. And so, you know, it's, it's a, it's got the cool, uh, like eighties, seventies owl logo on it. It's, it's a you know kind of a strange team name when you're when you're born in America and well I guess our team names can be weird too, but Sheffield Wednesday it kind of you know with the logo and the name kind of intrigued me and so I just started following them checking to see where they were I you know checked the newspapers to try to find the uh, Premier League table back in the day and um, eventually the internet age came around and online radio and now I follow and it's. Uh, God, I'm happy. I'm happy I get to actually watch them every week as opposed to relying on the back of the sports section just trying to find the printed score. I was hoping you would make up some, something completely different for this one. No, <laughs> I'm not that creative. <laughs> At least we know it's not the I mean, I wonder if we're going to turn people onto the um, Rumble Ponies after the start of this podcast, Jeff, if people like um, weird named sports teams. Well, um, the, uh, the San Diego AAA affiliate is the El Paso Chihuahuas. <laughs> I love minor league baseball. You got the biscuits, the isotopes, the uh, the Gwinnett stripers, which are a bass fish. Um, God, it's the minor league baseball is the best. How, how about the how about the mud hens? I like that. Oh, yes, classics. They were trying to. Uh, this ended up not happening. I think actual politicians complained, but they were, I think, considering. Uh, renaming the Staten Island team to the Staten Island Pizza Rats because of that clip of the <laughs> rat taking the slice of pizza down the subway. And then the the best name that didn't happen, and I know we're getting way off topic, but I love it. The uh, the, the New Jersey Nets basketball team almost became the Swamp Dragons, or maybe that was before they even started. But the Swamp Dragons, there was a logo, there were uniforms, there was a court design, all that was drawn up. And that just would have been the best thing ever, having an NBA team called the Swamp Dragons. I mean, there couldn't be much better than that. So the Is there Mets... a reason for the Swamp Dragons? Is there some history of Swamp Dragons in New Jersey I'm aware of? 
it's just because the Meadowlands where the team was is 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 That's very swampy swamp, and full of uh you know bodies the mafia disposed. <laughs> but the dragon part, I don't I don't know where that came from. Incidentally, where I'm buying a condo. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's uh I think you know that the Swamp Dragons era I think was around the time you know we had the the Raptors and you know some other kind of more fanciful new team names um and you know Swamp Dragons sounded good to someone I'll be sure to look for Swamp Dragons in my new apartment in the Secaucus. Thanks for letting me know, Neil. The Mets are of course uh you know orange and blue. They took the orange from the New York Giants and the blue from the Brooklyn Dodgers. Uh the 2 NL New York teams have moved out west, but there's like original designs you can find where the color scheme is actually black and pink. Well, what they, they did the design then that got turned down, I assume. Yeah, and they wanted to be black yeah. and pink at some point. Uh, there was no actual like there was just like a you know a mock up essentially of the uniform and the hat in black and pink. What's the uh, name of the old affiliate for the Mets that was in Vegas? The A fifty twos and all that. Fifty ones. A51s. Oh, right. Yes. They got like an alien on there. There's mascots, yeah. right? I have that hat. Brilliant. Love it. Uh, well, well really <laughs> talk about Akron, Wednesday, hey, probably, yeah. Uh, I'll add one. Uh, Akron are the rubber ducks. They are the rubber ducks now, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, puts Wednesday is a bit of an ordinary kind of name, really, isn't it, after all that? I mean, we should have some more um, interesting soccer names other than Wednesday, surely. Let's try and rename football teams after American minor league baseball teams. <laughs> I mean, you already have the. Uh, I mean, all these teams have like nicknames. You have like the. Uh, what's the. Like the particularly. Cobblers. The Cobblers is good. Um, doesn't like Wickham have a weird nickname too, I think? Uh, they're a bird, don't they? Is that a bird? I, I like I like the Ipswich Tractor Boys. Tractor Boys, uh, tractor is great, boys is yeah. But these are these really kind of official names? It's not people. It's like the nicknames I mean, rather yeah. than actual official names. The Chair Boys. That's what Wickham Wanderers is. Uh, that's right. Yeah, that sounds very. Well, yeah, the, the Swiss team, the Young Boys, which is oh old. yeah, yeah. And I mean, you got the Old Boys as well in one of the other leagues. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You can tell the season's over. Yeah. <laughs> so what what are your thoughts on the season, Neil? <laughs> um I I'm looking forward to next year. I it was uh I don't know. I don't know what to say that hasn't been said, you know. It was I, I think I came into this season optimistic on the surface and to you know, to other people. I, I was a little afraid coming into the season. I was not as soaring quite as high as my uh, my mood might have of um led some to believe but uh it's you know it's time we need to really i feel like the organization needs to take a step back and i know it's hard for fans and anyone to kind of let things breathe a little bit and let a process play out we got to trust the process but uh but yeah i you know it's not it's there's no overnight fix for anything you know the the heights we reached in the first two years with Carlos were, were, um, were a vast overachievement in many ways. Um, and, and, you know, it, it, it built us all up a little too quickly. So I'm just trying to, you know, temper my enthusiasm and my pessimism, um, a little bit as I look ahead. 
do you think that um, now we've tempered uh, the kind of like enthusiasm a little bit with this season? It's kind of balanced the scales a little bit. So we kind of, I would say, back on an even keel. What are your uh, expectations for next season? Do you think we can push for top six again? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, so much in all of sports depends on health. Um, you know, we 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 were decimated this year by injuries, and if we can stay healthy, you know, I, I think we can push for top six. I, I'm curious to see what the squad looks like. I mean, there could be, you know, a, a lot more still to happen there. Um, it's it's hard to say what we can do until until that plays out. I mean, I think we need to get a little younger. I think we need to find players that that still have a ceiling to reach. Um, you know, we brought in a lot of players under Carlos who had reached promotion and maybe weren't quite at the Premier League level. And so they they came back to the championship from their clubs down to us. And we need to find the the younger players who are kind of pushing in the other direction, I think. And and I'd like to see some of that. And I'd like to see the players who can kind of grow and develop with us. Because when we do make the top flight, I want it to be a sustainable performance. I want it to be, you know, sure, we can add bigger money players then but but we need that kind of in-house sustainability and and that's kind of what i want to see over the summer that's what i want to see throughout next season i want to see some growth from everyone on the squad but but i do think as as um as currently constructed i you know i i think assuming there's health i i think we can challenge for top six i mean you know i pretty much everything that went wrong went wrong this season that could have gone wrong went wrong this season and uh I don't think that'll happen back-to-back years. What would you uh, say is the area on the on the field we need to shop for in the summer? What's your kind of top kind of uh, position we should be looking at uh, improving on? I mean, you know, the, my ideal players, for example, are obviously probably players we can't afford, but I'd love a, a kind of a more physical midfielder who can kind of command the field um, a little better. I mean, we we lacked in size in the midfield and and I think athleticism as well. And I'd I'd love to see somewhere in the someone in the center of the midfield just kind of really steer the ship for us and and you know and and die, control and dictate play um and allow us to dictate play a little more. I feel like we've been lacking in possession over the last couple of years. Um, we are the team always with less possession, fewer shots, and and I'd like to see a midfielder who can who can really take control of the squad and also kind of dictate play to the other team as well. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. It's something that's kind of um, dropped off the radar. It hasn't not many people have spoke about it this season. Um, and I think it is still a priority uh, up there with fullbacks for me. Um, and we always used to be kind of like just discarded as an opinion because we knew Carlos didn't want one. But Carlos isn't there anymore. So we should be able to um, uh, set our sights on someone that's going to be able to uh, put his foot on the ball and clatter some people in midfield and kind of like say regain that uh, possession for us. So I don't think Pelopes is that guy. <laughs> no, no. Uh- and I think he's been a positive contribution, but I think we just need we need we need more depth. We need more talent. We just, you know, if we're going to really challenge for that the the promotion spots, I mean, it's just I think just a fact. Yep. Um, so how's San Diego? Um, I we launched after we um, spoke last time around. We've launched this uh, city reps thing, which uh, yourself uh, volunteered for in San Diego. So we have people over America's um, 
volunteering to uh, represent Sheffield Wednesday uh, and trying to start groups up. Um, we haven't had many uh, in- inputs from San Diego, I'm afraid, Daniel. So I'm assuming the uh, San Diego Owls is still a membership of one. And that's okay. You know, I will, <laughs> I will, I'll keep the nest warm here by myself. But I'm ready for the road show, the Owls America's road show. Um, you know, oh, yeah. the the big brew tour, fish taco tour. Um, <laughs> you know, it's. Uh, I think you know everyone who follows Owls Americas should you know just get in a big party bus together and just travel around the country all season. Quit our jobs. Just watch, <laughs> watch football for nine months. I wish we could do that. Uh, I thought you were. I thought you were alluding to a kind of one big meetup, which I think we do want to do. It's on our um, mode map of things to do. But I think uh, I, I like the idea of just having a big bus, or you just go around different towns, like watching football. I think that's a better idea than just a one big meetup. I don't know how achievable it is, but I think we should aim for that as our second goal of the year. Yeah, maybe baby steps. Maybe start with the meet. <laughs> we can work. We can work up to it. But uh, you know, San Diego's good. If anyone's out here in San Diego, certainly find me. Um, you know, you can find me on Twitter at. Um, God, I don't even know what I am. San Diego Owls? SD Owls? I don't know. I'm, I'm something. You the San Diego course, Owls. Through the Owls America's website as well, of course. And I'll, uh, you know, meet up, grab a beer or two, talk football, cry probably. And, uh, <laughs> you know. I just want to point out, Neil, before we let you go, that the uh, ASC Wimbledon nickname is the Wombles. Oh, yes. The Wombles of Wimbledon, which probably mean nothing to either of you Americans, right? Do you know what Wombles are? I'm not here now. No. There are, there's a children's TV program back in the 60s and 70s, I think, where there's like it's like a bit like the Muppets, I suppose. But these uh, creatures, uh, a bit like raccoons, I suppose, uh, used to live on Wimbledon Common. Uh, and they were basically the um, uh, first kind of green movement in England because they were big on recycling. And they used to hang around on Wimbledon Common and tidy things up. And uh, that's why the Wimbledon are called the Wombles. I definitely recommend any American listeners to Google the Wombles because it's a bit of British culture you're missing out on. Very important. That's awesome. I love that. I wish I wish we had an American team like named after the Muppets or something. <laughs> um, okay, um, we do have... Actually, I was looking on the find uh, our fans section on the website. We do have one more Californian person. Unfortunately, is in LA. I'm guessing that's not very close to you. It's uh, it's about two hours. You know, it's not not too terrible a traffic. You know, maybe one of these days we'll we'll organize an LA meetup and I'll 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 drive up. That would probably be good. There's there's got to be more in LA. I'm sure there are. We just have to put up the bat signal. Um, find the uh, like the English organizations in Los Angeles, the British consulate or something, <laughs> and uh, you know maybe send them an email and say you know hello we're here and uh, I, I have to imagine there are other people from Sheffield or or at least just people like like you know us Americans who who fell in love with this club. There must be some in Los Angeles. Everyone's in Los Angeles. Yeah, there's definitely a few more in Los Angeles. I've I've heard from over the past few years uh, the New York Owls. But the problem is with West Coast is obviously you're three hours behind the East Coast, which means you're 11 hours behind uh, England. Um, so, so eight hours behind England. Um, so that's why none of the games are really on at convenient times unless they're in the evening. So I think hopefully uh, next year uh, we'll have some big games. We'll still be fighting. And I think that will help spur some of these um, 
these big towns, big cities like uh, LA and San Diego into uh, spawning some new groups. So um, I wish you all the best in that endeavor, Neil. I'm sure um, we'll have some more San Diego owls for you in the coming years. Wonderful. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And uh, I'll talk to you guys soon. Matches from American soccer this week, and not just Evan updating us with the U.S. Open Cup score bug pictures. They can get it for that in Long Island. We can't get it for Sheffield uh, Wednesday games. Yeah. So this this stream, I'm I'm watching a U.S. Open Cup stream, <laughs> yes. and it the camera is blurry, which is okay. It's a, you know just it, it's a U.S. Open Cup match between two like college age teams, but it's like shot on an iPhone. The camera's crooked. <laughs> So, like, I have to turn my head to see the match correctly. Um, you, you can't make out numbers on the back of jerseys. In there, they're very far away. It looks Are like, you really that concerned about who's? Uh... No, I, I don't. But I'm just trying to, to set the picture here. Yeah. But despite all of that, they have a nice. Ooh, the the cameraman's zooming in currently. By the way, he heard me. I think. Um, there, there's a nice little score ticker at the top. It has the score and. The it says it's in the 91st minute. So, you know, if if they can do it for this absolutely awful stream, then why can't I follow? Do you get replay? Do you get replays of offside decisions? I didn't get any replays. <laughs> I haven't gotten any replays. Oh, well. <laughs> Baby steps, I suppose. Yeah, we'll stay on New York because there was a New York Derby this weekend, Patty. Oh, thank you for bringing this up. Uh, I hope there's many NYCFC fans listening because this is so beautiful. Uh, it was a good weekend for me, actually, sporting-wise. Uh, obviously, the Wednesday beating Norwich 5-1, and then uh, Red Bulls beating their Smurf rivals 4-0 in the MLS. And we were 2-0 up in four minutes, uh, which was hilarious. I found pretty good, and they didn't even show up. So I just wanted to just gloat for a little bit, really, about how good uh, Red Bulls were in the New York derby, and New York is red. And how about the fact that it's been announced that the New York Yankees will play on a soccer pitch before New York City FC ever gets a chance. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Is it Wembley they're going to play at? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think so, yeah. That's brilliant. So, so, so yeah, New York and hilarious. Boston, the biggest rivalry in baseball, are uh, headed overseas. And, uh, yeah, it's be interesting to see Wembley as a baseball field. I wonder if it's going to hit it out of the park. I bet, I bet um, Aaron Judge could hit it out of the park. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but the other big news in MLS this week, a big rumour of Mr. Wayne Rooney to DC United, New York's major rivals. Um, do you think this is going to happen? I mean, he's been... Care. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest... <laughs> Full disclosure: I have not watched a ton of Everton this year, <laughs> but uh, he started off pretty well. Yeah, he, like Everton? he's probably can still do a job for them. It's you know, it's MLS is not exactly DC a great nice job of you a shite, by the way. So I mean, yeah, it's... but they're just not sort of shaking this reputation as a European retirement league between. You know, it's last yeah. coming over and now possibly Rooney. And... That's what frustrates me is obviously 
I understand why, that would, why they need to do this, especially for the clubs like DC. Um, I'm not sure why Galaxy needs to do this, but like DC don't have a, a massive fan base. They need to bring stars in to get people through the doors, to watch the product, to build um, fan bases. So I know why they're the new league. That's why the people do this. So they bring them over. However, how much is it doing like detrimental to the league's um, view uh, if they keep bringing these old stars over? Uh, and Rooney is very old it will be very old next year um i mean you can barely move anymore bless him um and it's going to play for a very poor dc united team we'll end our first season of podcasting the way we started it with you slandering wayne rooney on the show (laughs) (laughs) i forgot about that uh old uh, granny's shagging dc that i see him (laughs) (sighs) you know i don't that's a that's a good question maybe something we can address in depth and are still definitely absolutely coming u.s soccer podcasts oh yeah <laughs> we'll probably get around to this summer we have all summer i don't know how much uh this is a good time as any are we uh do we have a summer schedule in mind yeah so what we're we gonna do for summer i mean it wasn't we'll do a couple of probably bonus podcasts where we'll all get back together again I think it might be a good opportunity to do like USL kind of uh, yeah. US soccer kind of discussion too, which we've been plotting for months. Uh, but what we are, what we are going to do is going to put out our little interviews with all our American Owls. So all the best um, interviews we've done over the past 30 episodes, remarkable, isn't it? We've done for 30 episodes. We'll put a little 15-minute um, interview out uh, with our American fans. So I think that's one of the most popular sections. So every week we'll release uh, one of our better American interviews. Um, and uh, that's some extra little bonus content to keep you ticking over until the new season starts. And obviously, if there's any big uh, transfer news or the like, we, we can pop in for that as well. Yeah, we're gonna pop in for that too. I think um, also we're gonna put a bit more on social too. So any kind of like thing that's kind of uh, a hot topic in Wednesday world, we'll jump on, put it on social. And new uh, kit? Will we get a new kit this summer to discuss before uh... talk about a new kit for thirty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, stripes, no stripes. Stripes in the right spot. How thick are the stripes? Yes, this will probably be our last an hour. podcast of the uh, season. So um, uh, after that, we'll give you short little snippets of podcasts until the new season starts. But we will wrap up the podcast with some Wednesday news, as we do. Uh, Adam Reach just continues to win Player of the Year award from everyone, except the China Owls, apparently, who gave it to oh, Barry Bannon. <laughs> Bannon was great too. That's okay. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, how many games did he play though? Does it matter? I, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to diss China. I, was, I don't know where they're coming from because I mean, <laughs> literally everyone in the world agrees that Adam Reach was the best player. Of I mean, the I think I would, I would have voted for Eddie Newhue, but whatever, fine. <laughs> okay, well, let's discuss this. Right. I assumed everyone in the world would, would vote for Adam so, Reach. So here's here here is my argument for new hero overreach and i would even probably put wild smith overreach what yeah i get like i get like the, the i mean the argument for adam reach is basically he played almost every game and stayed healthy he was wildly inconsistent the second half of the year uh and not all of that was his fault he was being asked to play i think a little bit of out of position i really don't like him as a free roaming midfielder i think he's better stationed on the left whether it's left wing or more of a left wing back role where he has more of a clearly defined role. But I mean, he was clearly gassed. He was clearly, I don't think at his best for a large chunk of the season. He just happened to be playing every game. 
No, I disagree. So I think that you definitely, what you're referring to, I think around um, when everyone was coming back from the injuries, so when Bannon came back, I think, and uh, well, more specifically Bannon and sometimes Hutchinson too, he went a little bit quiet uh, around like January, February time, maybe by February time, when everyone else started, else started to step up, he kind of like took a back seat. Um, and that was totally warranted because for the previous um, five, six months, he'd been carrying us on his shoulders for every single game, for every single minute. Um, I thought actually, going back to that, actually, I, th- I thought it was really nice how he actually substituted Reach uh, for what might be the first time of the season on the last game, <laughs> just so we <laughs> get a round of applause <laughs> and a bit of a rest. Um, but yeah, I don't think he was wildly inconsistent in the second half of the season. I think he had maybe eight or nine quiet games and it was we were so exp- so kind of used to him being the best player on the pitch, that's why you might be thinking he was wildly inconsistent. But I disagree with that. So I would my my counterargument that he was the best player on a team that was near the relegation zone, and the person that dragged us out of the relegation zone is Andy Newhue. <laughs> well, no, because before Newhue came along and started scoring freely, Reach was the one that was carrying us around, getting the odd point, and mm-hmm. trying to make something happen for like twenty or five, thirty games. I'm just because you came along and grabbed all the headlines in the last 15 games. We'll end the uh, once again. We'll end the season the way we started it with me uh, complaining about Adam Reach being overrated by Wednesday <laughs> fans. Apparently, we've come full circle. <sighs> Evan, who do you yeah, set this argument uh, for? All? I was enjoying listening to to your uh, to you guys argue, but <laughs> I have no argument. Uh, you know, I think it's Adam Reach, no ah, doubt. The um, where's James when I need him? I, I, I'll listen. I'll listen to to the Joe Joe Wildsmith argument. I think he definitely you know did a nice job keeping us in this season. In this season, I don't think that's the phrase I'm looking for. But, I mean, uh, yeah, it might, it might be actually, <laughs> <laughs> perhaps. But uh, yeah, Wildsmith was great. Uh, stepped up in a really tough spot and was put into the spotlight for the first time in his career, really. And um, I think he he shined very brightly. So yeah, th- those three. I think it definitely comes down to that second half of the season. I knew he was no question the uh, the player of the year. Uh, but yeah. Reach for me. Goals win games. That's all I gotta say. Speaking of goals, we have been. Got uh, smooth. Yeah, thank you, Patty. I was just gonna we keep going until you interrupted me. <laughs> we have been posting our own goal of the season poll. We had the final three go up earlier this week, and Patty, we have the final results to be released live on the podcast right now what do you have for us okay so first of all i want to thank everybody for um, getting involved with this we had thousands and thousands of views it was by far the most like engaged people have been with the videos uh we're going to try and do more of that throughout summer as well um i can reveal as my page loads this is literally happening right now. you got to give any credit yeah. to the person that edited the videos patty while we're here <laughs> Uh, yeah, thanks, Jeff. That. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Jeff. Happy birthday, <laughs> Evan. That was an amazing job at uh, editing the videos. I was Evan. I was actually honestly trying to tee him up to credit you, but I I don't need credit. I, I had a lot of help and and a lot of input from you guys. Oh wow, we've had um, so many submissions into our goal of the month. That we need to upgrade our um, <laughs> upgrade our poll functionality. So, 
on our website. So um, luckily we have enough to make a decision. So I can hereby reveal. Have a drum roll, please. The winner of the Owls Americas goal of the season is Jeff's player of the season, Atty Newhu. Yes. The right card. <laughs> With almost half of the votes, um, actually over half of the votes, um, over Forestieri and Reading and Reach and Aston Villa. So Reach comes in second against Villa, the volley, and Forestieri, which is my favourite, comes in third. Uh, when he took on the whole rating team and just blasted him in the top corner. So congratulations, Ati knew you. Um, thanks for all your votes. Um, we shall put that on social as well so you can see it again and watch it over and over and over again, which I'm sure you all have already. I will say that watching that video, a goal I'd completely forgotten about and I think is a little bit underrated out of the whole group is Kieran Lee's against Leeds. Yeah. That just got the amount us. of c- control that he had and the technique to score that goal and he scored a few like crazy worldy types over the years himself but that one was just and it was against Leeds so Always yeah and to get into that defender as well and just yeah, yeah, control yeah. it I think that was the cult favourites um, someone actually said that should be in the top three but unfortunately not enough people voted for it so um, I mean four has been a pretty crappy season overall we have yeah, scored some really good, good goals, goals. <laughs> yeah <laughs> It was really tough. A lot of people said as well it was really tough to vote for uh, in the top three as well. So um, not that tough, obviously, because knew he got more than half of the votes. So um, congrats, Ati. Uh, not player of the season, but definitely goal. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> we have some more uh, listener feedback as well, Ad- uh, Patty. We have some uh, moments of the season from our thousands, thousands <laughs> of listeners. <laughs> Um, yeah, so uh, first of all, we put out something very late uh, yeah, we, the week, yeah. as, as usual, uh, asking people to send us uh, their favorite moments of the season. Um, and we wanted just not necessarily goals or plays or games, just some silly moments. Uh, we got a couple of responses, so thanks to um, those guys that responded. We're going to play them um, after this. So um, thanks if you did get in touch with us. Um, we'll play your moments of the season right now. This is David Gusev. I'm the San Francisco city rep for Owls America. I just want to wish all my fellow Owls a UTO and a Wawa. Chris Waddle forever. Hi, uh, my name's Lee Kenny. I'm from, well, I live in Atlanta. I'm originally from Sheffield. So asking about random experiences, I was in Atlanta wearing my Wednesday shirt when a guy came out of a pub and to ask me if I was a real Wednesday fan. answer to that was yes. Was it a real Wednesday shirt? Yes. And what was I doing in Atlanta and I explained to him that I lived there. Um, kind of a random experience because he was uh, visiting the area from, I think, Jersey, and uh, New Jersey, and he was actually in Atlanta for the Masters, at which point then, after having a chat with him for about 30 seconds, he brings his son out, who's also a Sheffield Wednesday fan, and a couple of other members of his family. So that was kind of a, a weird experience because I've never met any other Wednesday fans based down here in Atlanta. Um Thinking about the best moment of the season, I think it was watching Wednesday beat Leeds at their place back in March. Um, watching the game while it was snowing, and I was actually in Athens, Georgia, uh, sat outside wearing a T-shirt because it was quite a nice day, and seeing uh, Big Dave do a knee slide after score, scoring the second goal, and 
I must admit, I've never been a a Dave fan, and uh, seeing him do that was quite special, really. And it's always nice to put one over on Leeds. Uh, thanks for the podcast, and um, hopefully it all goes well in the future. Thanks a lot. Bye. All right, Patty. What was your moment of the season? Uh, so my my uh, personal Wednesday moment of the season was meeting our very lovely co-host for the first time a couple of weeks ago, oh, Evans. For God's Peter. sake. <laughs> it's true. I mean, if you look at Wednesday and, and about the, I wanted the people to really get mail in the kind of like meetup moments they had and like Mike's so just because you were at a national concert, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, it wasn't just national. It was the fact that we had a good time and it was nice meeting Evan face to face. We started talking about this about over a year ago now, doing the Isles Americas thing. So it was nice to get to uh, to know each other a bit better outside of Wednesday and uh, met his lovely wife, and uh, we had a good weekend, didn't we, mate? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Evan, are you going to pick something actually on the pitch, or are you just going to join the love fest here? <laughs> uh, I, I, to be honest, I got to join the love fest. <sighs> um, it to, for me, it, it's not one moment, but it's just uh, having been able to, you know, get to know you guys and and also start this Owls Americas project where you know we, we know we have a long way to go and, and we're going to do some some good things and you know we're excited for the, the fans over here to, to have this outlet and we're happy we could bring it to them uh, and it was just an honor to be a part of it you know for so long I was just a you know casual Wednesday week listener and and listen to to games every week and and that was it that was the extent of my you know Wednesday um life i guess and and this has definitely been a big part of it and uh, it's been a lot of fun and i'm looking forward to the summer and planning some cool things for everyone uh, all of our listeners and, and subscribers and um you know next season as well i think it'll be a big season for for the club and as a result i think a big season for us jeff what was your favorite moment? i just like how you pitch. both like smoothly transitioned that into a promo for owls americas it's very good <laughs> i don't think you planned that either <laughs> um, I will actually I will bring it on on the pitch and I will say in what was essentially a, a lost season as so many Wednesday seasons have been for most of my lifetime really you have to sort of get the the small pleasures where you can and I think for me like I didn't get to as many meetups this year as I'd like um Especially with with you know I follow and they're basically being a meetup every weekend. R.I.P. Patty's Liver. I'm a little bit further out from the city now. It's a little bit harder to drive in. We're all in our in our mid thirties. There's fewer places for me to crash. Just to sort of be there for the Leeds double with the the New Hue late goal with like the whole New York Owls contingent. You know I've been you know going to games now down there for for five years and it's just you know. You don't, if you get a chance to get to the football factory, I know we have listeners all over the country, really all over the world. It for me is just, you know, it's, it's a home bar that's two and a half hours for me. But every time I walk in there, I feel like it's, it's my home bar and, you know, I miss it. I won't be able to get there this summer because the world cup's absolute utter chaos down there most of the time. (laughs) Uh, But if you can just get there, whether it's a big game, whether it's a small game, you know, it's just I think the really the best place to 
to watch a match and i'm gonna miss it and i'll see it again in august for another hopefully slightly better season of wednesday football oh see i thought you were gonna be uh, on the pitch you no, actually said something yeah. sentimental too i mean it was on the it was a good goal it was pretty but good also goal. also uh that is uh, again bring back to Al's america's and our main goal of what we're doing in this podcast and this main and this group and everything else about it is creating those spaces for yourself uh, across the Americas, like the Football Factory, stamp your ground, build a home bar. Uh, there's, there's talks about uh, Toronto starting up again, talks in Boston starting up again, talks about DC starting up again. If you build that community, I, I strongly believe there's enough Wednesday fans in most big cities in America, like Mike has done this year in Portland. He's done fantastic stuff. Um, go onto our website, owlsamericas.com. Look at uh, the reps we have. We have about 25 reps in different town cities. Um, there's got to be someone near you. Find your football factory. Find the uh, home bar for you that's going to uh, create those moments. Because honestly, that's why we set the thing up in the first place. It's about making sure, bringing Wednesday fans together, creating new Wednesday fans, and just having an awesome time together, regardless of the football on the pitch. This has been episode 30 of the Owls AmeriCast, our first season finale. You can find us on the internet at owlsamericas.com. Email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at owlsamericas. Our podcast, Intro and Bumpers, by fellow Wednesdayites, Revan and the Makers. The podcast is on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbeam, and probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show, just do what feels right. And wherever you choose to consume the Owls Americast, we ask that you rate and review the show. It helps more Wednesdayites find our ramblings. And speaking of ramblings, you can leave the show a voicemail on our Days and Mumbled line of 1-401-307-1867. International rates do apply. You can dial it for free using Google Voice. Evan is on Twitter, at Ohio Owl. Evan, we are in a World Cup year, and it seems only appropriate to get your World Cup pick as we sign off. Uh, who's playing? <laughs> Can I give you one clue? Like a true American, spoken like a true American soccer fan. Can you say the U.S. aren't playing this year, <laughs> just to remind you all? Yeah, I, um, yeah, I, it's so right, tough I'll, to pick I'll, the World I'll, Cup, okay, isn't I'll, it? I'll, 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 who are you rooting for in the World Cup this year, then? Uh, well, I have to go England and Iceland. Um, Iceland because... That's the only country I've been to outside the United States, and it was beautiful. I voluntarily <laughs> root for the English national um, soccer team. I don't you, know, but <laughs> you know what? It, the, truly, Iceland was such an incredible experience. But but um, soccer wise, it was so cool because um, you know going to Iceland, I had no intentions on. Yeah. I, I soccer wasn't on my mind at all. You know, they have fewer you people there, than Ipswich or Burm, whatever, whatever every exactly. English soccer yeah, pundit yeah. ever says. I forget what city it is. But you get there, and every little town has a professional soccer club. I mean, we're talking towns that have 500 people have a professional soccer club, and or f- football club, whatever. And they have it. They each have their own field, and uh, along with every town comes a small outside kind of futsal type pitch mm-hmm. um, with you know artificial turf and walls, but it's outside and. Like everyone plays, every young kid in Iceland plays. I'm telling you that these pitches were full and it was snowy. Like I literally from my hotel room watched people, um, uh, just a group of kids bring shovels to the soccer f- field and shovel it off and then play 
in the freezing cold. I mean, they played all the time, no matter the weather. And uh, I just, I was so fascinated by it. And it's good to see, you know, Iceland you know, doing some stuff in, in, you know, world football. So that's been pretty cool. And, and then obviously England, is, it's my heritage. It's where a lot of my friends are from. So, um, you know, Viva England. <laughs> Patty is on Twitter at Patty A. Jones and at New York Owls. Patty, who are you rooting for in the World Cup this year? Uh, Panama. <laughs> That's a good choice. <laughs> uh, I mean, I I really don't get involved with the World Cup until it gets to the start of the uh, group stages, uh, and then I get bitterly optimistic until the last. Yeah, you're Dickel. spoken like a true Englishman. <laughs> yeah. I used to follow England really, really closely. I used to go to the, what, the European Cup, went to the World Cup in Germany, I went to Portugal um, European Cup. Uh, been broken my heart so many times and been so bad over the last 15 odd so many years. I've just given up hope and uh, Wednesday um, kind of uh, took over a lot more. But I used to be a big England fan, but not anymore. But around the group stages, I will get back involved again and I will watch lots of England games and uh, hopefully. I'll be as disappointed as usual. I think, uh, I'm on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro. I think, uh, you know, one of my sort of formative, one of my favorite, I don't say my forward, one of my favorite sports memories is watching the, uh, the Azuri win the World Cup in 2006, just because I was sort of home that summer and watching, was able to sort of watch the tournament from start to finish, and it was just, I mean, it was a really great World Cup in general, but, um, Obviously, they didn't make it either this time. But I have a I have a good friend in in Sweden, and I do I casually follow uh, IFK Gothenburg because you know whatever blue and white stripes all over the place. But uh, I've like the Swedish teams kind of like grown on me, especially with Zlatan not there anymore. Just that sort of like they have a very tough group, to be clear. But uh, I'm just like uh, I'm on like pulling for them to to sneak out of it sort of as they as they move into the next phase. They're like it's a well organized drilled team that might be uh might be able to surprise a few people past that uh i don't know i mean i guess the like the like the trollingest winner might be like i like roberto martinez in belgium winning the world cup would be pretty funny except like roberto <laughs> martinez world cup winner i didn't even realize he was the battle to manage that's that's very yeah, strange with thierry on his this... assistant really yeah he's like the striker okay. coach or something yeah that passed me by totally but um I just the World Cup's a great, great event. It is. I'm like, I mean, and the time zones actually aren't too bad. I like looked at the the schedule. It's like an early morning game, but it's like I think it's like seven thirty, seven or eight. It's not like crazy early. Yeah, it's almost similar as um, English Premier League games. I didn't try to keep it kind of on a worldwide schedule. The only problem is it's on Fox Sports here, which means we'll probably get a lot of Warren Barton. Which is not ideal. And I guess like the US aren't sending any actual commentary teams there. They're doing it all yeah, in the studio. Yeah. And they do M- my favorite is when they do the studio stuff and then they talk about the atmosphere and how yeah. awesome <laughs> Like sitting sitting in their, their yeah, boxer yeah. shorts in, in <laughs> Los Angeles watching a uh, – it was recent. They were watching, a cha- I think, the Champions League match and like, oh, the atmosphere out there is so great. You know, like, what are you talking about? <sighs> This is not an international soccer podcast. It is a Sheffield Wednesday soccer podcast. But we're not going anywhere. We'll see you around this summer. And hey, you know, preseason friendly start before you know it. 